Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who, despite being pretty young himself, he happens to be older than Christian Pulisic. Brand Siegel, how you doing? I'm doing well. Am I actually older than Christian Pulisic? <laughs> yeah, I think I was looking at this the other day. I think he was born in September of 1998, I believe. So yeah, oh, wow. which is kind of wild to think about. Yeah, I mean, look, ultimately, Trevor, here's what I look at. I look at what I'm doing in my life, and I look at what he's doing with his life. And, you know, sometimes tough decisions are made, and, you know, there's more successful people than others. Uh, let's just say this. I've never lost in the World Cup, so, That you is know, true. It's what it is. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, look, it, it, yesterday's game was rough. It was rough. Uh, it was not fun to watch. I, I mean, no one no one thought the Netherlands was going to lose, really. Like, I mean, I didn't think we were going to win, but it, it was rough. But we'll get into the World Cup in a minute. Of course, we got to welcome the third member of the podcast, and that, of course, is Ben O'Brien. Ben, how, how was your week? How was your day? Tell me everything. I can't complain, Brandon. I mean, I'm doing a podcast, so I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Brandon, uh, do you not remember that the connection that we have to Christian Pulisic? Because there is, a, I, there I is a connection that we have. I, I do, I do, I, I, I remember very, very well. Uh, okay, good. Just you know, Trevor, I don't know if you know this, we have a friend from college uh, who we called Hershey Ryan because uh, he was from Hershey, Pennsylvania, and he was actually like friends with Christian Ballistic. Oh, um, they went. To, I mean, they they went to school together, and he. I remember yeah. he would say how he said Christian Ballistic was like one of the nicest people ever, like, and everybody knew he was going to be like this massive star. I mean, he went to he moved to, to Germany when he was like sixteen, so he went to high school for a couple years here in America. But they always said that like from like five years old, everybody knew he was a stud. His parents were athletes. Um, he said he was like the nicest dude ever. Cause I can promise you if I, if I had like, if I was that talented, I, I would have some sort of ego. I can guarantee you if I'm 15 years old and everyone's sent home, like the next saving grace for American soccer, I'd have a pretty big ego. I'm not even going to lie. So, um, I've always liked him just because of, from what we've heard, he, he seems like he's a really genuine down to earth dude. Yeah. It seems like he's, he's pretty great. And obviously like, I mean, his soccer ability is very, very unique. Um, so yeah, it would, uh. Yeah, that's that's our connection, Trevor, to to Christian Pulisic. That's that's pretty crazy. I just wonder. Sometimes I think about like, and I don't even think he played for like his high school team, like in, in Hershey, because he was playing like youth soccer like all over the world already at a young age. But I just wonder what it would have been like for when I was in high school to go against like his high school team if if he did play for that high school team. Like that would have been, I don't know. Just just thinking about that is kind of wild, I guess. Yeah, no, no, hundred percent. I I couldn't imagine doing that. I couldn't imagine that at all. Um, but look, let's let's really get into the game here. Netherlands beat the U.S. three to one. We're all upset. The U.S. had more shots, more shots on target, more possession time. Uh, according to Twitter, I don't know soccer well enough. Maybe we had, should have had Josh on. According to Twitter, that was kind of the Netherlands' plan was to play this kind of defensive game, and then when hit in transition, they hit in transition. And a lot of their goals were in transition, so it seems like that that makes sense. Um, and that's kind of why the U.S. had a lot more possession, a lot more shots. Um, and, you know, so I, I think, I mean, we didn't expect to win this game. I don't think anyone did, but it, it's still sad, you know, Trevor? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me watching this game, uh, you know, the U.S. in the World Cup, they've kind of seemed like a first-half team. Like, there's been, I think in pretty much every game, they played better in the first half and the second half. You know, some of their guys get tired. They have to make some subs. Um, you know, that's when they, they give up that PK to Wales in the second half. So their first halves have usually been better than their second halves. 
Um, but coming out of the gate against Netherlands, I, I thought they were looking really good. They they had a few chances. They got some good opportunities, but ultimately they couldn't capitalize. Obviously, we had that one within like three or four minutes where Pulisic, you know, he had one. I mean, a shot at goal, and it was kind of like, you, you know, there's like a split second where you have to hurry up and make the decision. You have to have like the perfect, you have to place the ball where you want it. And, you know, the keeper made the save for Netherlands, and then we obviously saw them get the, their first goal about seven minutes later. And that's what I was seeing as well, what you were talking about, Brandon, where like the Netherlands, they don't, they're not trying to run with the U S the U S they're a very young team. Um, they have a lot of players that are fast that, that can run, but the Netherlands, they're a more skilled team. I think they're a smarter team and I think they're a better coach team as well. So when they had these, uh, when they, you know, would be able to regain possession and the U.S. is half of the field, there would be a lot of times where they had numbers advantages because the wingbacks, Dest and I, I don't know who was playing left back, but the wingbacks, they kind of played uh, more attacking roles a lot. So Netherlands having those number advantages, we saw it. They, they had the advantage and then they kind of picked apart the defense. Uh, they swing it wide to the right, they cross it in and the guy's not really marked and he, and he gets the goal. And that's kind of what happened on that second goal as well. Um, and, and it was a really good plan by Netherlands. And I, I just think they're a really good team, you know? Uh, sure, the U.S. could have played better defensively. I, I wish they would have. I think they should have. I mean, that third goal was abysmal. The guy was completely unmarked. They didn't even see him. They had their back turned to him. But uh, overall, the Netherlands was the better team. And, you know, uh, they, they did win. Yeah, I mean, it It just kind of is what it is. Uh, you know, I, I don't even think the U.S. played, like, objectively horrible. Um, a lot of the goals they allowed were really, really poor. Uh, but they, they had a relatively good offensive game. I, I see a lot of hope for the future. That's the main thing, is that there, there is a lot of hope for U.S. soccer in the future. The U.S. soccer is getting a lot better. And I think next World Cup we will have, um, you know, a, a real shot uh, at, at competing, you know, maybe for, like, a top, you know, six to eight spot. Uh, which would be nice. Uh, ben, any any thoughts on the World Cup from your end? Yeah, I mean, I think <clears throat> if you if you really look at it, I mean, I, the goal of this World Cup, I think, for a lot of people was, um, well, one, to freaking make the World Cup. They didn't do it four years ago. They made they made the World Cup. But just to, to show promise, I mean, like I said last week, this, this group of athletes with Christian Pulisic kind of being like the leader of it, um, I mean, they're referred to as the golden generation. They are the, the, the promise of American soccer, supposed to bring it back from the dead. Um, what it was four years ago, because they are either the youngest or one of the youngest teams in this World Cup. So no one was expecting them to win it by any means. But just to show promise, I think they did that. I think I would completely call this World Cup a success. Um, they 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 tied England. Um, they got out of their group, that which was not a guarantee when you went into this, with, with Wales being a European nation. I mean, it, it was going to be difficult for them to get out of the group. Um, and show promise... To where in four years, when you have probably pretty much the same exact core group of guys, because their average age is like 23 or 24 right now, you have the same group of guys in four years at home with America hosting in 2026. Um, not to necessarily win in 2026, but just to to be in the conversation, like you said, of maybe a top five, six, seven team, and maybe get past the round of 16 for the first time in like 20 years. Um, I do think that is that that blueprint is there. I think they did what they need to do in this World Cup to show that they have promised to show that these guys that are that have grown up in, in the American system now, um, with with youth soccer growing as a sport in general, to be able to complete or uh, compete with these European nations that have always been dominant in soccer. So um, again, I'm not. A, I don't think a lot of people are upset they lost. I, I don't think they played fantastically, but exactly what 
was their Achilles heel in the, in the group stage, which was they can't capitalize on opportunities that they've been given to score offensively. I mean, that that is exactly what the issue was yesterday, with the, like Trevor said, with the Pulisic goal. Um, there were a couple other chances they had that they couldn't capitalize on. When you got a team like the Netherlands, um, they are absolutely going to capitalize on, on your mistakes because it's what they do. Again, they're one of the better teams in the world. So the better team won. I'm not going to sit here and say they didn't, but um, I w- would have liked the U.S. to play to play better, to look a little bit better. But again, at the end of the day, the focus now is on 2026 and seeing if they can realistically be a top team. Again, not win it. I'm not saying they're going to win it. The goal shouldn't be to win it, but to be a top team to where maybe they could, you know, their ceiling could be a Final Four in the in the 2026 World Cup, or maybe just get past the yeah. the, the group of 16 in, in four years from now. So, I again, like I'm when you see on Twitter. The, the all the all the memes about how people come out of the woodworks after eight years of not watching a second of soccer and they're all in that's literally me like I haven't watched a single second of of the U.S. national team until two weeks ago and I'm all about it um I'm not going to watch any for the next four years but I promise you in 2026 I will be all in on this group again because they are a really fun group and again it's cool that they're all kind of around our age um because back to at the start of, of the podcast when Brandon talks about Christian Pulisic's 24 years old um, and what has he done in his life compared to what we've done in our lives? It makes you feel a little depressed. But it also is cool to think that those guys are our age. They grew up around, you know, the era that we grew up in. And, and they, they represent our country, I think, in a, in a great way. So it was fun to watch. I'm excited for four years from now. That is my long-winded way or my short way of saying a long-winded answer. And, Ben, I, I think we could just end it there because you said it perfectly. Let's uh, let's move on to college football. Um, we had camp week. Uh, we saw, you know, some 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 big games, some some interesting upsets. Um, you know, we saw Michigan beat Purdue, Georgia beat LSU, kind of expected results, Clemson beat North Carolina, but we saw Utah upset USC, <coughs> which some people would say really isn't that big of an upset. Uh, we saw Kansas State beat TCU in overtime, wonderful game there. Um, I don't know, is there any anything from these games you guys really want to talk about, should we just kind of get right into the playoff and like, you know, what we think the playoff is going to be, because that's kind of the big question at this point. I don't think, like, anything wild, wild happened, besides, like, USC would have been in if they won, uh, but now they're definitely not going to be in. Um, is there anything you guys want to talk about, Trevor? We'll start with you involving Champ Week specifically. Yeah, I mean, it's really just the the game involving USC and the game involving TCU. I mean, in that U- Utah-USC game, USC came out kind of hot out of the gate. I think they had a 17-3 lead. They looked really good. I was watching Caleb Williams, and I was very impressed early on. And then Utah, they were able to shift the momentum. And, I mean, I, I don't know how many – well, if you just kind of look at, like, the second half, they outscored USC 30-7. to I mean, just looking at that number, that's pretty wild. Uh, but just a, a great performance from Utah in this game. Uh, and I don't know what exactly happened to USC, but they, they really – their defense just kind of uh, let them down a little bit. I mean, giving up 47 points to Utah – in the Pac-12 championship game, obviously not a good showing, and credit to Utah. I mean, you know, I, I know a lot of people are really liking that quarterback. I think his name's Cam Rising after that performance, and uh, he, he gave a couple, like, good uh, quotes in the post game. But, yeah, it was, you know, I, I would have hoped it would have been a closer game, but credit to Utah. They, they played a great game. Yeah, I I agree. I really think Utah and Kansas State are, are very good football teams. I mean, I'm not saying they should make the college football playoff, but I think both are, are quite prestigious uh, teams this year. Ben, any any comments on Champ Week before we kind of move on to our, our playoff discussion about where we think, you know, who we think should be in the playoff? No, I, I think we should just move in because, again, like the, the two biggest games are were the ones that concern what the, what the college football playoff are, are going to look like. So I think we should just move into the, to the discussion here, the discourse. So, look, we, we have a top four. 
All right, we we know Georgia and Michigan are in. Uh, the the next two teams where they're placed are more up for discussion. Um, I think we all agree that really there should just be two teams. Like I don't really think Alabama has much of a discussion in here with two losses. I think it's tough to put a two loss team over the one loss teams. Right. Like I think we can all you know lay our heads on our bed and be like well, we're good with that opinion. Yeah, right. I, I think all three of us agree that Alabama and, and Tennessee as well, because I think you could argue Tennessee, I mean, they beat them head-to-head, maybe has a better resume than Alabama. But both of those teams have two losses. And I yes, the SEC is the best conference in football, but I don't think it's so overwhelming to the point where the two losses of either of those teams can supplant uh, TCU or an Ohio State. So I, I think the four teams are locked in. I think the conversation could be maybe more about the seeding uh, with those four teams. So let's let's have the discussion here because I think we have some differing opinions. Um, Trevor, why don't would you like to go first? Or you want me to go first? Um, I I can go first. That's All fine. right. So what what do you think the top four should be? What order would you have them in? Yeah. So we're recording this um a little bit before the the four gets released. I believe Ben. I think you said around noon. Uh, is noon or one yeah. p.m. is when they no- normally mm-hmm. announce it. So we'll find out. After this podcast, unfortunately, you, list, you, the listeners, will already know the top four. But for me, my order would be Georgia number one, Michigan number two, Ohio State at three, and TCU at four. Um, that would be my top four. Now, obviously, Georgia, Michigan, I don't think anyone's debating their ranking. Georgia's definitely number one. They've been dominant the whole year. They had a big one over LSU yesterday. They look awesome, to say the least. Michigan, number two, no debate there. They also look very good. I've been very impressed by Michigan throughout really the whole season. I mean, they were awesome against Ohio State. Uh, You know, like Don Edwards, we were talking about him before the podcast. Similar to you, Brandon, from what I've seen, and you've seen a lot more than I have, but I also really like Don Edwards. I think Michigan's a really great team, and I think if that's the championship uh, game we get, I think it would be a really good game. Um, Three and four is where it's, to me, very close. So looking at Ohio State and TCU, um, both of these teams are one-loss teams. TCU's 12-1, Ohio State's 11-1. So, okay, TCU, they have one more win. One of those wins was in their Big 12. Or, yeah, well, they have one extra win because they played an extra game, the championship game. I think when you look at these two teams, you know, they both have two really good wins, I would say. Ohio State's best win is at Penn State. That was a 13-point win. 44-31, 44 to 31 in a away game. Awesome win. Penn State's two losses. They're in the top 10 right now in the rankings. And then if you compare that with TCU's best win, it's really, you know, you could have the debate is the better win the win at home against Kansas State by 10, or is it on the road against Texas by a touchdown? I don't know. They're both really solid wins. But I would say those two wins are pretty much equally really good wins for TCU. Texas is, I think, like number 20 or something in the country. They're eight and four. Kansas State is now, well, they're top 10. They're going to elevate because they just beat TCU. Um, And then Ohio State also has another really good win against Notre Dame, who is, I think, one spot behind Texas. Um, So they beat them at home by 11. They're pretty much equivalent wins. So I think you go across the board. Ohio State has two really good wins, Penn State, Notre Dame. TCU has two really good wins, Kansas State, Texas. It almost kind of evens out, to be honest with you. So then you look at their losses. Uh, They both have one loss. Ohio State has a loss to a Michigan team by 22 points at home. You know, you compare that to TCU losing in overtime by three to Kansas State. Now, some people look at that and simply say, well, TCU's loss is to Kansas State by three. Ohio State lost by 22 at home. 
TCU's TCU's loss is better. It's a better loss. But basically by that argument, you're saying that Kansas State's as good as Michigan, which they definitely are not. Michigan's much better than Kansas State, I think. So I don't know which which loss is worse. I think there's a genuine debate. Maybe you still say it is Ohio State because it's 22 points at home, but I think it's very close. To me, I think where the difference might be is that I think the Big Ten overall is a slightly is a little bit of a better conference than the Big 12. I mean, the Big Ten may be down to where it was in previous years, but I think overall the Big Ten is a better conference than the Big 12. So if we're really kind of like nitpicking here and we're looking down the schedule and we're looking at like, okay, like they both have two really good wins. They both have one loss to, to good teams each. And then you start nitpicking. I think the Big Ten's a little bit of a better conference because they have three elite teams. Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, TCU, they really have two elite teams. They have TCU, Kansas State, there's a drop-off to Texas, and then, you know, so on. And the Big Ten also has a drop-off after those top three. I also think that Ohio State's wins are much more condensing throughout the year than TCU's were. You just go across the board. I mean, against the teams they play in the Big Ten, Ohio State's demolishing them. Rutgers, um, you know, just you go down the line here. They're winning convincingly. So if we're kind of like, I don't know what the phrase is, but if we're nitpicking here and we're looking at this, Ohio State's wins of the Big Ten are much more convincing overall than TCU's wins. And I think the Big Ten is overall better conference. So to me, that's what it comes down to. I think it's very close. But uh, yeah, that, that's, that's what I think. So I'm going to go in a different direction here. I have <clears throat> Georgia and Michigan 1 and 2. I got TCU three. I got Ohio State four. I don't even think it's that close, to be honest. So let's let's go through some of the things you said. You said the Big Ten is a better conference this year than uh, the Big Twelve, but that's just not true. The Big Twelve, eighty percent of their teams are bowl eligible. The Big Ten, only sixty five percent of their teams are bowl eligible. TCU played six ranked games. Ohio State played only three. Um, and in those ranked games, TCU went five and one. Ohio State went two and one. Um, and they just played a harder schedule. If you look at their actual, like, their actual resumes, their strength of schedule, uh, TCU's played the 25th highest-ranked strength of schedule, and Ohio State's played the 39th. Um, you look at, I mean, the big thing here, one made a championship game, one didn't. You know, I, I, I don't think that's something that should be understated. The one loss that TCU did have, they actually have already beaten that team, um, before, previously in the season. So, if we're looking at just schedules, I, I mean, objectively, TCU had a way harder schedule. They are in the objectively better conference. The teams did better. Um, they had more ranked teams uh, over the course of the season than Ohio State did. Um, and when you're saying, like, well, Ohio State had more convincing wins, well, they played worse teams. You look at TCU when they played Iowa State. They just won last week 62-14. to 14. Iowa State's not good. Iowa State's terrible. Iowa State's just as good as Rutgers, you know, so when, when Ohio State's beating up on Rutgers, TCU did the same thing to bad teams. They just played more good teams, you know, so when they played the teams that weren't that bad, they didn't beat them by 95 like Ohio State did to Toledo, you know. Um, but Ohio State, especially towards the end of the year, they had some close games against teams they had no business being close with. Maryland, they only won by 13. Northwestern, they won by two touchdowns, 21-17. Um, they had much closer games against teams that, frankly, are not good. Uh, so, I, to me, honestly, I don't even think it's that close. I think the only argument Ohio State has is they have a better loss. Um, which, to be honest, I don't think it's, like, that great of an argument because they both lost 
Um, and I don't think it frankly matters who you lose to in that sense of like, oh, you have a better loss. Like, who cares if you had a better loss? You guys both lost. Uh, ultimately, you have to look at who they beat. And Ohio State didn't beat as many good teams as TCU did. And TCU did it constantly. TCU played four straight ranked games. Um, and they, they, they won all four pretty handedly. They beat Oklahoma by, by 30. They beat Kansas by, by 7. Uh, they beat Oklahoma State by 3. And they beat Kansas State by 10. So ultimately, they just won more ranked games. Um, they went to their championship. Um, Ohio State did not. And I think TCU's frankly the, the better team. Yeah. Well, at least on resume. If we're if we're saying like if we were gonna put the four best teams in, then obviously Ohio State's more talented than TCU, but that's not what the Confederate playoff is looking at. They're looking at the resume, and the resume for TCU's is just a lot better. Right. So I, Ben, you've heard Oh, go ahead, Trevor, go ahead. There's go ahead. just there's just one more thing I wanted to say because this so this this conference championship thing, because like if you if you're trying to argue that basically the Big Twelve is a deeper conference than the Big Ten, then you know that that might have some validity. I think the point about like the conference championship, I don't fully understand because like TCU didn't have to play Michigan, you know, like they didn't have to play Michigan. If Ohio State wasn't in the same division against Michigan, and, and they were in Purdue's situation, they would have gotten another chance to play Michigan again in the Big Ten championship. Like if you, for instance hypothetically speaking, say that Ohio State and Michigan are in different divisions and Ohio State and Michigan, like we say it's not a rivalry, right? And Ohio State has to play, I don't know, they play some random team like Purdue or something that's not a not really that great of a team and they beat them and they're 12-0 just like TCU and they come in and then they lose to Michigan in the championship game and they're 12-1. Are, are you then looking at that as a lot more impressive than this version of Ohio State just because they were in a championship game and then lost to Michigan versus them having to play them in the last game of the season. So I, I get what you're saying. Your argument makes sense, but ultimately this is a resume test. One went and one didn't. Like when, when, when you're looking down to it and you're like, let's look at both our resumes, who checks what boxes, one of them went and one of them didn't. So you're right. You're hundred percent right. If Ohio State was in the other division, they would be in the championship, but ultimately they weren't. So, that, that's all I'm saying is, like, at the end of the day, like, it doesn't make Ohio State a worse team because they didn't make a championship. But on the resume, TCU looks better because they were there. I See, I, I just think that's a bad argument. I think that it's a very, like, simple argument because Ohio State can't control that they had to play Michigan. But, but I, I think— well, they could have won. I think a lot, yeah, I mean, they could have won. TCU also could have beaten Kansas State. Uh, so in the so last think about game. this, Trevor. Think about this. What if Kansas State lost to Kansas, or what if TCU lost to Kansas State in the middle of the year when they played, but won the championship? It would to me. It would make it would be basically no difference. the The only difference would be that they beat them on a neutral field, which I guess is. But the, yeah, it would it would make no difference because they they would have one win against, so against Kansas State. Are championships worth loss. nothing? It's it, they're equal. They're weighted equally to me. Every every single game is weighted equally to me. I don't think that a ch- just because it's a championship game, it should be like it's not like Kansas State is suddenly what, a tougher opponent because they're in a championship right. game versus no, I agree. when they play them. I in agree a, with the logic, eight. but the, the championships do matter. They do mean something, and they do mean something to the college football playoff. We've seen that. In the past. I don't. I don't. If if I'm part of the committee, I I don't think they should matter in that. Like if we're comparing TCU and Ohio State, which we are. In this specific example, I don't think that that's... I just think that's a simple argument. I don't think it makes a ton of sense. I I think in the sense of how the Cosmo playoff thinks, that is what they are going to think. But I think your argument of, like, 
I think you're kind of basing your argument around like if these two teams played, who would win? I mean, Ohio State would Mm-mm. easily win. No, it's that's not. I just think like that Ohio State is the better team. I'm not denying that. Yeah, and I think with but that's not. And I think with their resume, like across the the season, the entire season, not just the the last game of the season, the entire season, I think they're convincing wins. And the fact that they have to play Michigan and Penn State versus TCU didn't, never had to play Michigan. I I just think they're a little better resume wise. I mean, they both they played the same amount. TCU played more ranked teams. They played the same amount of top ten ranked teams. They were ranked at the um, time, but then some of those teams like freefall, like Oklahoma State. They played them at the time they were number eight, but then they free fall. They, they're seven and five. So I understand, but that's still a ranked win. Doesn't matter. And even if even if you were to take it down to bare bones, they have the same amount of ranked wins. <laughs> even if you like, we're only counting the teams that are ranked right now. Then they have the same amount. Well, if they're so, if we're counting the teams that that they're ranked now, it would be they would be tied because it would be Texas. Yeah, they're the same. Yeah, it would be tied. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be the same. All right, Ben, to you. You're going to break the argument here. You're going to break the debate. What are your thoughts? <clears throat> yeah, I'll keep this short. Um, there's an outcome I want and an outcome I think is going to happen. I'd love to see Ohio State and Michigan play. I think there's no chance that the committee will make them play again. Um, I, I just think, I don't know. I, I, I can't see a realistic situation to where the committee is going to be like, yeah, we'll have Michigan play Ohio State again. I just can't see it. If he could have done it last year with, with Alabama-Georgia in the semifinal, they didn't do it. I just can't see them putting um, – Ohio State three because I don't think they want Ohio State and Michigan to play again. Even though it'd be a fantastic game for whatever reason, just the vibes tell me I don't think it'll happen. Um, and then the other thing, not to mention that Brandon already said it, but like, at what point are we going to stop punishing teams for playing in their conference championship? I mean, if TCU didn't play in the conference championship, they'd be twelve and zero. They'd be the three seed easy. Um, so the fact because they played an extra game and lost to a top ten team, they're going to be, be fall down to four while Ohio State sit on the couch. Like I don't know. I so I, I'd love to see Ohio State at three. I just don't think it's going to happen. And I'm not even that like concerned about it. I, I seriously think there's a very 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 small chance that they will put Ohio State versus Michigan again. I just can't see it happening. So ben, you, you made two other really great points, which, like, that's a better championship argument than what I put out, is ultimately, like, it, you're, like, it is punishing to be like, oh, well, you guys lost in your championship game. This team didn't play in one. You know, that's that's a really good point. I think the other great thing, you know, that you, you mentioned is that, like, it's going to be, it would be an interesting thing if they put them to play each other in the playoff. You make a good point about... Because they thought if that was the championship game, I mean, that would be crazy. You know? Yeah, I mean... Trevor, you know, I mean, I, I, it's just the same thing. So so Ben so Ben then thinks that TCU should be number three, I guess. Right, right Ben? Uh, it doesn't matter what I think. I think that's what's going to happen. Okay. Yeah, I don't I mean, really have an I opinion. Just, like, I mean, I, I want Ohio State to be three because I want them to play Michigan again, but it's not going to happen. Yeah. I don't think it'll happen. Just the whole, like, oh, it's punishing TCU because they played an extra game. But, like, I don't know. They, they didn't have to play Michigan. Michigan's the second-best team in the country. They're undefeated. They're awesome. None of these teams in the Big 12 compare to Michigan. Kansas State doesn't compare to Michigan. I, I just, you know, I, I, if you, I don't know. I don't think that punishment, it just doesn't really make sense to me. I mean, they'd be dropped, though. Like, that's the punishment is they would drop from three to four. Yeah. Yep. Because, yeah, they, yeah, they would be now have a one-loss they would be one loss, just like Ohio State. So they, yeah, State that's what Ben's saying is like that's the punishment. Is they would be dropped down, and then Ohio State would move up for not playing. Yeah, but TCU was undefeated. And now they are no longer undefeated. They lost. Yeah, but they have one more win than Ohio State. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> they have the same number of losses. Yeah, it was, yeah, same just number one of losses. Played one more game, and Ohio State accomplished more throughout their season. I think because they they play they beat Penn State, Notre Dame, and their only loss was to Michigan, and they had more convincing wins throughout the season. 
Yeah, I don't know. But hey, we're gonna <laughs> see pretty soon here. We're gonna see pretty soon. Um let's uh let's keep on moving along here, Trevor. Let's get on to the NBA. Well we got um, some uh, couple... we, we got some college basketball that we uh we Oh got... oh I did. I, I I missed my college basketball here. I missed my college basketball. Alright. College basketball, Trevor. Um mm-hmm. we have had this past week we had a little bit of the ACC Big Ten challenge, right? Yeah, we did. It's very fun. Um, so why don't we why don't we start there? Let's go through that. For sure. Yeah, I mean, we, we could just continue to see so many upsets. It's just wild at this point. And I know a lot of people are saying like, well, we shouldn't even we, we shouldn't even do rankings until like January. Like, let's just wait mm-hmm. um, to do rankings till January because we really have no idea what these teams are right now. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I think rankings are fun. I just love the conversation around them. So I don't I don't want to do that. But it is interesting because, you know, we, we do have to see a lot before we really know who a lot of these teams are. Like on with ACC Challenge, uh, ACC Big Ten Challenge on Wednesday, uh, like, you know, we have some big, like we have a big upset with Notre Dame beating Michigan State, for example. They beat them 70 to 52. We saw a number of other upsets like Utah beating Arizona. Um, we had Rutgers beat um, Indiana yesterday after Indiana in the big ACC Big Ten Challenge beat North Carolina. So it's just interesting seeing all of these upsets um, and just things constantly being like shaken up. It's, it's really fun, obviously, because, you know, a lot of parody. That's why we love college basketball. That's why we love the NCAA tournament when we get to see like those upsets and those Cinderella stories. So it's interesting. I'm not, I'm not complaining about it at all. I, I really enjoy it, but it is hard to figure out who the, I guess who like the top teams are. Cause there's no one that's really standing out, but they see Big Ten Challenge. I mean, I guess the biggest takeaway is that Indiana-North Carolina game because North Carolina's kind of struggled here a little bit. Um, they lost their third game to Indiana on Wednesday, 77-65. to They really just had a tough <coughs> tough job uh, dealing with Trace Jackson Davis in this one. He had 21 points, 10 rebounds, 4 blocks. He's obviously awesome. One of the people, or one of the players that people were talking about is an All-American candidate, so he's been awesome. Uh, we also had Duke-Ohio State, which is the other big one I wanted to talk about. Um, this was, you know, this was a pretty interesting game. I I watched a lot of this one. Duke did win 81-72. Um, the biggest standout for me with Duke is Kyle Filipowski. He continues to be awesome. Um, you know, they have a number of five-star freshmen and he is one of them, but he wasn't the one that everyone thought was going to be the standout. People were talking, I think most people, it was Derek Lively or maybe it was Derek Whitehead. Um, but Kyle Filipowski has kind of been the standout for Duke. He has a lot of He's very polished. He kind of seems like he's been in college for a couple of years already. He has like uh, a lot of post moves, nice little spin move and up and under. So he can do a lot of things. He's been really impressive. Um, some of these other freshmen, Derek Lively, uh, Derek Whitehead, they're still, you know, they're still kind of getting into the swing of things. Derek Whitehead just came back from injury. So again, uh, Duke, they're, they're playing well, but I think that obviously they have a lot of things to put together before we truly know what the what this team's actually going to be come March. So Duke's going to be interesting to see. They they continue to just be solid. Like, they're in the teens. They're ranked 17th currently. Um, Ohio State, um, they lost, you know, they lost two their two best players from last year. So it's a little bit tougher for them. They still have a solid team. They have a young freshman, Bryce Sensabaugh, that's getting a lot of hype. Uh, he had a little, he had a rough night in this Duke game, but overall he's looked pretty good. And Zed Key, obviously, uh, in the post has been solid for Ohio State. Those were kind of the the biggest games I wanted to talk about. I think also in general, I wanted to talk about like a couple surprises. One of which I kind of already mentioned, North Carolina, you know, they're kind of struggling to start off, right? 
Um, I would imagine that there's a good chance they won't be ranked in this next AP poll because of, you know, you know their three losses now. Um, they've been struggling a little bit more. And I think with North Carolina, it's interesting because they were a team last year who they, they were pretty mediocre throughout the year until they hit about February, late February. They had that big Duke win. Um, and then from there, they went on a run. All, obviously, they advanced all the way to the championship game. And they return most of those players, and that's why they get that preseason number one ranking. But I think it's interesting, and I think this is kind of a case of, uh, you know, people that are doing the rankings just in general looking at the sport, you know, the analysts, and saying, putting a little bit too much stock into the NCAA tournament results of the prior year. I think those things we maybe tend to overvalue a little bit. And that's not to say that North Carolina, you know, isn't going to be a good team by the time we get to March. I think they'll still be, you know, a solid team. But I think that number one ranking that they got was just a little bit us overvaluing um, their tournament run, even though they struggled throughout the regular season last year. The other one's Purdue. I just want to talk about Purdue quickly because Purdue's been awesome. Uh, Zach Eady, the big man in the middle, he's been incredible. I think there's a good chance if they voted for the Wooden Award right now or the Naismith Player of the Year Award that he would win it. He's been awesome for Purdue. Um, they, they continue to win, win by big margins. Uh, in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, they beat Florida State. They also have a big win over Duke. Um, they beat my West Virginia Mountaineers. So Purdue's been awesome. So I, I just wanted to mention um, a couple of those teams that are surprising Purdue in a good way, North Carolina in a bad way. Um, Ben, uh, is there anything, I, I just wanted to go to you and see if there was anything you wanted to point out from this past week in college basketball. I, Trevor, I'm going to be honest. I haven't watched a second of college basketball in the last week, but <laughs> the Houston Cougars, like you said, they hung on and Trevor. I, I, yeah. I take that back. I watched about five seconds of that game last night yeah. with like 10 minutes to go. I was a little worried, Trevor. I'm not going to lie. I was a little worried. And St. Mary's is a good team. They're all, they're consistently a solid program, but Trevor, my preseason pick Houston Cougars that I'm all in on, I need them to win by more than, what was it, five points five against points. St. Mary's. So I, yeah. I'm a little concerned there. I know it was neutral. It wasn't at home or anything like that. But um, I'm, I'm still confident in my Cougs. I think that they, they, they will pick it back up. They will continue to be um, a, a top team in, in this, in this uh, you know college basketball moving forward. Yeah, it's clear Houston's defense is incredible, like absolutely incredible. Like the, the which I feel like is usually the case, right? Yeah, Aren't they, they're kind of known for their defense. It's it's yeah. usually the case. They're known for their defense under Kelvin Sampson's system. The the most points they've given up so far this season's fifty six at Oregon. Um, pretty much every other game. I mean, they've given up like the first game of the season, Northern Colorado. They give up thirty six points. Like over, I think like half of these games they're giving up under fifty points. So their defense is incredible. It's it's the offense that you know just need just need some work. You know they're they're still good. They're still undefeated, but um, yeah, offense just needs some improvements. Yeah, hundred percent. All right, we will. Anything else you want to talk about, Cardinals? Well, we should we should yes. I I almost no. forgot the segment as a whole. No, I'm good. That's that's all I want to talk about. All right, let's move to professional basketball, um, and. Look, Trevor, LeBron, LeBron and the Lakers, uh, they aren't looking too bad, right? They're not looking too bad right now. They're they're playing better, yeah. So so break it break it down the uh the the head the headlines we have here in the NBA. Yeah, so with the the Los Angeles Lakers, um, they obviously started out with a horrid start. I think they were like zero and six. I want to say to start. Well, now they're nine and twelve. Uh, in their last ten, they're seven and three, which is pretty impressive. Um, you know, seven and three in ten games. That's awesome. I I just watched an incredible game Friday night. Lakers Bucks. 
Um, and I obviously, like most people, probably expected, oh, the Bucks are going to win this. They're playing the Lakers. They're at home. The Bucks are going to take care of business. It probably won't be that close of a game. But I, I watched anyway. I was like, eh, you never know. Let's let's check it out. Let's see let's see how the Lakers, you know, are doing because I do know that Anthony Davis has been on this tear and they've been winning a lot of games lately. Um, despite the fact that a lot of those wins may be against bad teams, which is the case, like. Uh, a couple of them against the Spurs, one's the Pistons. They did beat the Brooklyn Nets, um, you know, which I guess is, you know, pretty impressive. But overall, a lot of those wins are against bad teams. So I wanted to see um, them play against the uh, Bucks, obviously, because the Bucks are my preseason championship pick. And Chris Middleton just returned in this game. So this was Chris Middleton's first game back off of the injury. And the Lakers were really impressive. I mean, they're all, I mean they scored 133 points, clearly. Um, you know, they were one of the worst offenses in the league to start the season. Now they're scoring 133 points against the Milwaukee Bucks. That's very impressive. And Anthony Davis had yet another awesome game. Um, he's now, I, I think, pretty clearly has to be an all-star because, you know, I was listening to a podcast a couple of days ago and uh, it was with Sam Bassini, the Game Theory podcast, and he was talking about like, okay, these guys are all locks to be all-stars. And he mentioned Anthony Davis, and it caught me off guard. Like, he was, like, going through the list. He was like, Steph Curry, he's a lock. Luka Doncic, he's a lock in the West. Uh, Devin Booker, he's a lock. I was like, yeah, all making sense. And then he says Anthony Davis. I'm like, really, Anthony Davis? I was like, a little caught off guard. But you look at the numbers over the last, whatever, eight to ten games, and Anthony Davis has been incredible. Um, we know what he can do on the defensive end uh, when he's healthy. And on the offensive end as well, he's, he's playing really well against the Bucks. He had 44 points, 10 rebounds, and 4 assists. And the thing is, he's doing it all like in the paint. You know, he's getting good shots because we know Anthony Davis historically. He's not really a very good, you know, outside shooter at all. But he's getting a lot of them at the paint. Um, in this game, he was 18-27 from the field. Uh, and it's really impressive. He kind of went at it with Giannis, a little bit of a duel. And I, you could argue, I mean, they won the game and he had 44 points, 10 rebounds. I think he probably got the best of Giannis in this game, which is kind of surprising. But they've been awesome. Uh, obviously, I think Anthony Davis's play is the biggest reason why this has been the case. I think the fact that Russell Westbrook's now on the bench as the sixth man has worked out better. He's kind of embraced his role as the sixth man off the bench. He's been playing really well, really, you know, focusing on the facilitator role, the distributor role. He's, you know, like the true point guard off the bench. He's reduced his his shots. You know, he's not taking as many outside shots, which is good. We know he's a bad outside shooter. And he's really just getting the ball to Anthony Davis, getting the ball to LeBron. Um, I think in the game last night, he had like seven assists in the first half. I think he finished with like 11 or something. So Russell Westbrook's been better. He's really embracing his role. LeBron's, you know, overall been been really good. Um, I think at the beginning of the year, he started off slow. But I think he's been a little bit better as well. And then you even have some of these role players that, you know, here or there, like Austin Reeves, I think has been decent. I think... You could argue maybe he's like their fourth best player. He's been pretty good. And, um, you know, even like Lonnie Walker, I think, played like a decent role. You know, he's doing things here or there. They're still not a great three-point shooting team. You know, we, we know this. They still need to make moves if, if their plan is indeed to win now. But we are seeing these improvements in the way they played lately because of, again, Anthony Davis playing awesome. And Russell Westbrook embracing his role. I would say those are the two biggest things that I would um, point to here for the Lakers' recent success. Interesting. So basically what I'm hearing, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but LeBron is the GOAT. (laughs) 
I still mean, the best player in the league. Well, yeah, I, I would not say that. <laughs> I would not say that. But, you know, he's playing better as of recently. He's doing what, you know, most of what he typically does. Not all of what, obviously, we know. He, he's not quite as good as he used to be. But he's still playing very well. And, you know, hey, the, Laker, the Lakers are doing well. This doesn't mean that they're suddenly a contender. That's not what I'm saying at all. I, I still think they have moves to make. You know, maybe they can go out and get, you know, we, we, in the past we talked about Buddy Hill, Miles Turner. I don't know if that one's happening necessarily, but a trade that could happen. But I don't know. I mean, you know, they, they could trade Russell Westbrook, but now I'm, I'm, I'm looking at them playing and like, okay, yes, you can trade Russell Westbrook and you can get a better fit around Le- LeBron and AD, get better shooting, but then you are losing some playmaking because Russell Westbrook, that is his best skill. He's a really good playmaker. So it's interesting. I do still think I would look to trade Russell Westbrook, but I don't know. I'm not sure what they would get. So I guess we'll see what what they continue to do, but they're at least interesting here. They they now are a team we can talk about is they may be able to make the play in. They may be able to sneak in as an eight seed. It could happen. Interesting. Hey, it's looking up for the Lakers. LeBron always finds a way. He always finds a way. Any 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 other NBA teams players you want to discuss before we we move on to the NFL? Yeah, I mean just just quickly the Celtics. The Celtics have been awesome. Best team yeah. in the NBA. Um, Jason Tatum is probably the front runner for MVP. I think he's maybe slightly ahead of a Giannis, a Luka, a Steph Curry. Um, he's been awesome um, this year. He's doing it in so many different ways. And I think Jason Tatum, he's just he's just so well-rounded. Like, he doesn't have a lot of flaws. He's, like, a good outside shooter. He's good at getting to the basket. He's become a better passer. And he's one of the best defenders, I would say, in the league. I mean, he's, you know, he's a tall wing defender. He can defend a lot of different guys. He's just so well-rounded. It's a little bit like what Kevin Durant was, and, and still is, by the way. But it's a little bit like Kevin Durant, how he's been throughout his career. He's, you know, he's continuing to ascend. So credit to Jason Tatum and... You know, a lot of these role players are just on fire from three, like putting up insane numbers. I think like at least four, maybe four of their players are shooting over 45% from three. So, which is just wild. Like Grant Williams, I think Derek White, I think Tatum, like four or five of their players are shooting like over 45% from three, which is absolutely nuts. Interesting. So you think the Celtics, like are the Celtics kind of like, they're, they're, they're eight this year. I mean, right now, they're the best team. They're the best team in the NBA. Um, obviously, Chris Milton just came back on Friday. So, you know, he's just getting back to the role. But right now, yeah, the Celtics, they're the best team. Interesting. Very, very interesting. All right, let's move on to the NFL. Um, let's look back. Of course, as we always do at Week 12, any big takeaways? Um, I wrote an entire article on my power rankings for this week. Um, so I'm going to leave it off to you guys. So if you guys want to check that out. Go to the, the smallballers.com, link in the description. Um, just go to the website anyway. Yeah, just go check it out. But uh, go look at my last article. You can see what I think about all the teams and my takeaways from this past week. Ben, let's start with you. Any big takeaways from this past week besides the fact the Ravens lost? I know you got to mention it. I, I wasn't going to mention it. I figured you, you would. I mean, again, Brandon, like you have to respect it. The Jags are a great team. And I actually will say Trevor Lawrence looked really good there at the end of the game. He did look very um, good. And I, I'll even say this, and now that you brought it up, I'm just going to talk about it. But I just I, – I told my friends this. Justin Tucker is the only kicker I've ever seen in my life where I'm just assuming he's going to make the 67-yard field goal yeah. at the end. Like, I, like I, I'm just assuming it's going in. 
Um, and, you know, he does that little, like, he takes the extra step back and really leans into it to get some more power. And, of course, it was right down the middle. I just assumed it was going to hit the back of the net because he's the greatest kicker I've ever seen in my life. Um, so I was genuinely surprised that he missed. Um, but the Jags are a great team. So, again, you can't be upset. They lost to a great team in the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, I mean, it wasn't a fantastic week. And we, we mentioned that last week going in. It wasn't going to be a fantastic week. But one shout-out to the Browns. They got a win. Good for them. I'm happy for them. They beat Tom Brady, whatever. Um, I mean, how can you not talk about the Bengals getting a what I would call a statement win in it Nashville, is. Tennessee um, against against the Titans, who everyone, all the Titans fans on Twitter are claiming that Derrick Henry wasn't healthy last year after he rested for 10 weeks before that game. He was going to dominate the Bengals. It, it, it was going to be rough for the Bengals. They can't stop the run. Well, when you get DJ Reader back, you limit Derrick Henry to 38 yards rushing, and Joe Burrow had more rushing yards than Derrick Henry until like 10 minutes left in the game. So no big deal there. It's whatever. Um, but a much-needed win for the Cincinnati Bengals. They have six games left. The six games they have left are brutal because it's three or four really good teams. you got two divisional rivals uh, with the Ravens and then a team in the Browns that Joe Burrow has never freaking beaten in his life. So tough down the stretch, but a much-needed win. Uh, they play, obviously, the Chiefs today. That's going to be a tough one. I, I said they had to win either last week or this week to still, uh, you know, have or still, in my opinion, be realistically in, in, uh, in the hunt for a playoff spot. They did that last week. We'll see what happens today, but... Um, I mean, that was my biggest takeaway. We're, we're, the Bengals went into Nashville for a second straight year um, and, and beat the Tennessee Titans, who are a good team. Uh, they're not They're not a perfect team, and I think, Brandon, you did a great job mentioning that in your rankings. They're a good team. They're not a great team. Um, they have flaws, one of them being Ryan Tannehill, quarterback, in my opinion, but they have a lot of weapons, both on offense and defense, that they can go to. So um, I'm happy for my Bengals. I am. We'll see what happens the rest of this year. Yeah, and I think, I think like, uh, what I said kind of made sense in the article about how, like, don't get me wrong, the, tech, the Titans are not like this amazing team, but it kind of shows where the Bengals are in the pecking order. You know, the Titans and Ravens are kind of similar to me. They're both good teams, not great teams, and they're kind of in that like 8 to 12 range. And that shows me that the Bengals are better than that. Um, and that, that next tier up, Ben, is, is that's the tier. You know, that's the tier yeah. of contenders. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, we're going to see here, we, the Bengals have some difficult matchups against some good teams. I'm not saying they need to beat the Chiefs, but they need to show me something real good. And I'm going to keep, you know, they're going to go up. And I talked in the article, I'm very impressed with the Bengals. I, I think they're one of the better teams in the AFC right now. I know, Ben, you don't like the Bengals hype, but it's the truth. It genuinely is the truth. Um, I, I definitely think it's, it's on the ups for the Bengals. Which I know you don't like, but uh, Trevor, any, any other big takeaways before we move on to our cross-off? Yeah, I mean, you guys mentioned a couple of the big ones. I, I'm just kind of looking at the Washington Commanders here, which, you know, they're 7-5. and five. They're a team that we crossed off very early in the season, and they're on a run now of, I don't know how many games straight it is now, but quite a few games straight that they've won. They beat the Eagles a couple weeks ago. They uh, just beat the Texans and Falcons again. Not really great teams, but they continue to win. They continue to win, and the relevance there is with our cross-up thing, and I'm I'm genuinely worried that the Washington Commanders are going to make the playoffs, and that's going to be the reason we lose and we fail to only cross off non-playoff teams. I mean, it's possible, but I'll tell you this. We're going to cross off a team today that is definitely not making the playoffs. I think we all agreed on this team. I am more than content crossing them off. Trevor, would you like to reveal to the people who is getting crossed off this week? So, I mean, for me, I think the Denver Broncos, I think it's probably long overdue. I mean, I think Ben, this is a team that Ben probably mentioned three, four. Well, actually, actually in week two, I, I think it was week two, Ben made a yep. statement that the, yep. the I don't know what you said, Ben, but it, it was a great point. You were, I mean, you were right, essentially. I mean, the Broncos are yep. three and eight. 
Um, you were basically right about them. They've been pretty abysmal this year, and I think they're the team we have to cross off. Yeah, I, I'm i with you. I mean, the Broncos stink. Uh, I, I can see this trap game for the Ravens again, and they lose this week, but even with that, I mean, the Broncos are just awful. Uh, max wins they can have is nine. That's probably not making them to a... And I mean, that's saying they win every single game. Uh, I mean, they're only going to finish with like five or six wins max. So, uh, yeah, Broncos, cross them off. I'm down with that. Ben, any any thoughts on the Broncos? Probably not many, but... No, they're garbage. Um, I have no issue crossing them off. I, I haven't even looked at the standings. I, I don't even know who the other options would be. I have ideas, but the Broncos are such an easy option to cross off because, like you said, best case scenario, they get to nine wins, and, and with the fact that they've lost to most of, of the other good teams in the AFC, they'd lose a lot of tiebreakers there and stuff, so... They're not making the playoffs. I, I I have no issue with that at all. I, I am I'd put a lot of money if I was a gambling man on them not making the playoffs. So, uh, go ahead, cross them off. Honestly, we probably could have done it like I said after week one, but but we gave them some respect. We held off until <laughs> whatever it is, week thirteen. Uh, it, it it is long overdue. I think it's time to get them out of the playoff conversation. They're not they're not even in the hunt at this point. They're they're yeah. completely left off that graphic. They have no business even being in the hunt when they show the graphic on TV. They're they're that bad. Yeah, and I I I agree. They're out. They're out. Um, okay, so let's let's get to SVP bets. This is where we, you know, have a, a running bet um, across all of us, um, where you know we we have one bet across all of us, and then between each of us, we have a bet involving the NFL season. Um, hopefully, that that logic made sense there. Um, our first one, which is between all three of us, is guessing how many points per game uh, a team averages in the NFL. Um, so I guess twenty two point nine. Trevor, you guess twenty two point four, and Ben, you guess twenty two point two. Um, it is currently at twenty one point nine. It did not move, Ben. Again, every week, yeah, you are you're gaining here. You're doing a very good job. So it's it's not moving too too much. Uh, I'm getting closer to being out. I think we don't have a lot of weeks left of scoring. Um, so we'll see. Um, ben and Trevor, you guys had Brady versus Burrow touchdowns. I would imagine this is still not even close. What is the uh, number at now? Yeah. So Joe Burrow's sitting at twenty three. He had one last week against the Titans. Uh, and Tom Brady, nine behind at 14. 14 touchdowns for Tom Brady through, what are we, 13 weeks or something? 11, 11, oh, tw- 11 12 weeks. All right, 11 games. Like, what are we doing, Tom Brady? Come on. Not uh, been his year for sure. And, I, again, I, I love Tom Brady. I'll be his biggest supporter. But I, I think anyone would be surprised if you told them in August that he'd have 14 touchdown passes through um, 11 games or whatever it is. And he threw two last week, so he only had 12 going into last week. So, um, interesting, very, very interesting for Tom Brady. Um, definitely not the year I think anyone envisioned him having. No, not at all. Uh, Trevor, me and you have Lions and uh, Panthers wins, which they both sit at four. We're definitely, I mean, we're going to have an intense breakdown of the game when they play each other in a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for that. That's our Super Bowl. Ben. No one else is going to care about that game. I know, that is our Super Bowl. It's, That's the small ball or Super Bowl. Lions fans, Panthers fans, game. and Brennan and myself. They're the only yeah, people that should, care like, about that game. Yeah, we live tweet that game, Trevor, or something. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be fun. Um, okay, just like make this horrendous game interesting. It'd be very funny. Um, okay, Ben, me and you have Burrow versus Herbert touchdowns. I think I'm coming back a little bit, right? It's it's Josh Allen versus Herbert, not Burrow. Or Josh Allen versus Herbert, which I still think I'm coming back a little bit. Yeah, it's 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 down to six. I think it was seven last week, maybe. Uh, it's 25 for Allen. It's uh, 19 for Justin Herbert. So it is. It's it's the gap is is closing, and I think we said last week, or at least I did. I'm not. Ex- I wasn't expecting it to stay at seven and even go up to like 10 or anything like that. I expect Justin Herbert. 
um, to kind of go back to what his his you know kind of bat his average, go back to what people are expecting from him because he is that talented. So by no means is it over. Um, Josh Allen with a solid yeah. lead, and I'll take Josh Allen with a six touchdown lead over anyone. But um, Justin Herbert absolutely could come back because he's a freak athlete like that. Yeah, I mean, now with Allen and Williams, Mike Williams coming back, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, I think that the touchdown probability goes up. But I don't know, six is six is tough to come back from. There's not a lot of games left, only six games left, six touchdowns. He's really going to have to be, he's going to have to be scoring. He's going to have to have a couple weeks with like four or three yeah. and, you know, one or two for, for Allen. So we'll he, he, see. It's possible, but I, I'd say the odds are definitely not in my favor. You know what's kind of crazy um, to me and, is that... Huh? You know what's kind of crazy is that if you look at the touchdowns of the quarterbacks this regular season, there are only four quarterbacks that have at least 20 touchdowns. Uh, Like last season, we had nine quarterbacks that had over 30 touchdown passes. And this season, there's only four that have at least 20. I just think that that's... I just wanted to point that out because the quarterback play across the league has been down this year. I think it's really interesting. Yeah, I I mean, it hasn't been as much of an offensive year. Um, I will say, though, I think there's more quarterbacks that have... 20 touchdowns than you think because like if you take in consideration rushing well, yeah, touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, rushing rushing as well, yeah. <laughs> if you, um, yeah, you we've got a lot of quarterbacks that run the ball now. Um so I mean you look at like like Hertz definitely has over twenty. Lamar definitely has over twenty. Um I'd imagine like Geno Smith is over twenty, Herbert probably has over twenty. Uh Tom definitely doesn't, which is fun to see. But alright, let's let's move on um to this coming week's games, today's games a little bit of a preview. Um, you know, I'm looking through. I'm like, what games look really interesting? We definitely got to have... Uh, a, a, there's a couple really good games, in my opinion, this week. Um, actually, there's a lot of really good games. We have Jets-Vikings. That'll be really interesting. Minnesota favored by three at home. We have Commanders-Giants. This will be a nice defining game for the Commanders. Um, we have Titans-Eagles. Um, again, maybe the Titans can pull off an upset. We have Dolphins-Niners. Um, that's going to be just an offensive juggernaut of a game. Can't wait for that one. We have Chiefs-Bengals, uh, which will be absolutely marvelous. Um, and, yeah, any other games or you know any one of those games you guys want to talk about? Yeah, I, I mean, for me, the, the two biggest games are the, the afternoon slate, the Dolphins-Niners, the Chiefs-Bengals. I actually, I'm, like, super excited for this Dolphins-Niners game because, like, I know the, the Dolphins have looked really good. I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm discrediting them by any means, but, you know, they're 8-3, and three, and I think this is a big test for them. Like, the, the Niners today, I mean, this is, uh, the other piece of this is, like, Mike McDaniel going against Kyle Shanahan. He was obviously with the Niners. He's been with Kyle Shanahan for, for so many years now. They're, you know, I guess they're probably good friends or... Maybe Kyle Shanahan's kind of like a mentor to Mike McDaniel. So I think that storyline is super interesting. And I'm just, you know, I, I want to see the, the Dolphins offense and the Niners defense. I want to see that matchup. I want to see, can the Dolphins, can the speed receivers, their offense, the up-tempo, can they continue to have success again today against this really good Niners defense that has a number of awesome players, including including like their linebacker Fred Warner? Um, just like uh, that matchup is what I'm very excited for. Yeah, I this is a good week of games, Ben. Uh, any, I know you're excited about the Bengals game. Any, any other game here you, you're excited about? Um, I, I can give you a game I'm least excited about, and that's Colts Cowboys. The fact that we have to watch the Colts again on prime time, and we have to watch the Cowboys, even though they're good for like the five billionth time on prime time. Not a fan of that. I mean, obviously the Bengals Chiefs, like, like I said last week, the Bengals last week I would call it a statement win. This week I'd probably call it more of like a season 
defining game. If they can win this game, that really does absolutely define their season and their trajectory, I think, moving forward. If they lose, um, yeah, we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it next week if that if that if that happens or whatever. But um and another game I don't maybe I'm gonna be honest, I wasn't listening, but maybe I don't know if you mentioned this yet, but Titans Eagles, not a bad game. Uh and Broncos Ravens, you never know, Brandon. You never know. We'll see it. We'll see how Brandon, let's play a game. How big of a lead do you think the Ravens are gonna blow this week? Do you think it'll get to twenty again, or do you think it's gonna be more like twelve? I I'll say ten. I'll say ten. Okay, okay. Ten point lead blown. I do think the Ravens will win, but I, I, I think it's almost a guarantee that there will be some sort of two possession lead at least that they will blow at some point. Um the other game that we should play is how long will it take for a teammate to go off on Russell Wilson this week? Last week it was like halfway through the game, roughly. I don't remember what quarter did it was. You, uh, this week <laughs> did I'm, you see? I'm saying like maybe maybe like five minutes into the second quarter, I'll say twenty minutes of game time in. I think he gets yelled at by a teammate. Hey, in my article I, I referenced that Sierra threw the birthday party for him and only half yes. the team came, so So at this point, I like the know. Broncos are terrible, but they're must watch T V because that team is yeah. The definition of shambles. It's just it's, it's a dumpster TV. fire. It's a dumpster fire. I, I was gonna say if they could put if they could get hard knocks to, to do the in season. Yeah. Yep. Um. So with with get rid of the Cardinals or whatever it is, do the Broncos. That would do fantastic numbers. I agree. I fully agree. All right. Well, I think we'll wrap up. <coughs> excuse me. The podcast there for today. We appreciate uh, all you guys listening. Of course, subscribe. Leave five star review if you enjoyed. And <coughs> excuse me. Check out the website, thesmallballers.com. Link is in the description. And follow us on Twitter, at thesmallballer. Keep up to date with everything that's going on. But mainly go to the website. Just, just go to the website. We've taken way too much time on it. Um, and a lot of effort's been put into it. So please go check out the website. Um, we'll have another AA team coming out this week at some point in time. Uh, again, go to the website. Be able to listen to all the podcasts that we have. Uh, but with that being said, thank you all so much for listening. And we'll see you guys next time. Go Falcons.